the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology. Proactive and strategic IT. Hey folks, greetings and welcome along to the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Today it's a chance to talk about smart cities. Now would you like to live in a smarter city, an environment that is uh, leveraging and and utilising tech for the benefit of all, well, we're going to dive in and talk about that with Jonathan Reichenthal. Now, welcome to the show, Jonathan. Great to see you. <laughs> it's good to see you again, Paul. It's been a while. Uh, I've been on your show before, but it's been so long. And you've been on my podcast too, so it's lovely to reconnect with you. Yeah, it's it's unfortunate that we uh, that we can't connect in person on this occasion, but it's uh, it's not not too bad doing it. Over the uh, over the internet, I mean, it was definitely uh, fun to uh, to catch up with you uh, last time in in Silicon Valley and Palo Alto. There, I think uh, you were still in your role as the uh, chief executive, uh, chief information officer at the city uh, of Palo Alto when when we last caught up in in person. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, tell us a little a little bit about what you've been up to. You've been on the New Zealand Tech Podcast uh, before. Um, but you're and and sort of in between, you've spoken, and I don't know how many uh, dozen dozen countries <laughs> since uh, since that that last appearance. You were uh, here in New Zealand, um, you know, speaking um, to chief information officers. I think probably at the CIO uh, summit. Um, definitely mm-hmm. keen to to delve into to smart cities, uh, particularly in light of your. Uh, New book that uh, that I I hear has been uh, been selling incredibly well, which is uh, Smart Cities for Dummies. So uh, we're definitely going to going to delve into that. But uh, yeah. yeah, what what have you been up to, and what's life in uh, uh, San Francisco and the and the Bay Area like during uh, during this sort of time of uh, COVID uh, madness? Oh boy, oh boy, it's it madness is right. That's an understatement. Uh, yeah, no, I had, I had, uh, seven, uh, amazing years at the city of Palo Alto. Uh, I mean, I, I'm the last person that I thought would be, uh, would work in government. And, and then, you know, I, I thought I'd stay maybe three years, you know, to make a difference. One year's too short. Two years, you're sort of getting, getting warmed up. And then three years, you can kind of get stuff done as a, as a chief information officer. Uh, but I ended up staying for seven years and had, had a good time there, but it was time for me to, to move on, the city manager was retiring after 35 years. Uh, he was one of the reasons, not only that I joined the city, but I also stayed at the city. And uh, we were a good, a good partnership for experimenting with tech and and delivering uh, improved and new services to the community. So he was moving on, and I thought, you know what, I'm I'm well past that CIO, you know, expiration date. I probably should think about my next thing. And I did think about a, a, a ton of options. Uh, one was to go to a big tech firm. Um, I must have been crazy to think about that. <laughs> then uh, I was going to go maybe full-time into academia, which I was, you know, I've always I've been doing on the side for, for many years now. Uh, but actually I thought, you know, let's, let's do the Silicon Valley thing and try a startup. You know, I, I'm, who knows how long I'll be here and you know, and, and I'm, I'm here right now and I got my network and my connections and I, you know, I help lots of startups. Maybe it's time for me to try my own thing. And so in January of 2019, I spun up a little sort of education slash tech boutique firm. And sure. uh, there's no product. It's it's almost, I mean, it is entirely services, uh, but it's been a pretty, pretty cool. I focus on a lot of education-related things, everything from writing to content development to teaching, and some you know some very successful online videos that I do. Um, do it f- both for big uh, platforms like LinkedIn, but also for private companies who want you know it's very specialized tech training done for their for their employee base. Um, I do traditional consulting, so I'm doing IT strategy stuff. Uh, still working a lot with cities. I mean, that's that's where my you know that's what I love to do now, uh, both the education side and to focus on the future of our cities. And as as you and I will speak about in a few minutes, it's a pretty big deal, you know, our cities. And and so uh, it, it's a great uh, important topic to be involved in. And the last thing I'm doing is, uh, and then and, and this is very characteristic of you know uh, where I'm at in my life here in Silicon Valley. Uh, so my, so many of my cohorts are in the same position. We, we do a little investing in startups. Um, sometimes that investment is just time and other times it's a, some cash. 
Um, so we're all hoping for, you know, if you have a portfolio, you're hoping that, you know, one will be a breakout hit and that'll be your, perhaps will be our retirement. Uh, but my startups are all uh, social impact companies. Uh, so I'm, I'm investing to make a difference. And, and that aligns well with both my education passion and my interest in, in cities. Um, now this year was, I had various plans for 2020, but of course nature had different plan for you and I and, and everyone else. So, uh, um, you know, we've been in shelter in place here in San Francisco, just, just south of San Francisco. We, we, um, it sort of sh- everything shut down towards the end of March, like it did for you. And it hasn't really opened up that well here. And so I've been writing and, and teaching and developing content and, uh, doing, uh, I think lots of productive things and, you know, I'm doing well relative to a lot of people. Um, but it's bad here. I mean, we, we really have a sort of a perfect storm of um, a, a pandemic that's not been managed. Um, we have people who really believe it's a hoax. Uh, we have a lot of people who, who refuse to wear masks. Um, and we're in the right now we're in the in the in the uh, the end game of a, of a contentious election. Uh, you know, that's just going to get worse in the, in the days ahead. Um, so. It's a it's a bit of a tough time, you know. We're opening, closing. We we uh, the, the the hairdressers were open for a while. They're now closed. You know, the, the we really wanted to get kids back in school and students back to university, and that hasn't gone well at all. Uh, you know, so it's a tough time. It's a tough time. You know, we we uh, we got our protests going on. You know, we got some very very deep uh, systemic institutional challenges that you know need to be need to be addressed over the next few years in in a really important way uh and they're not you know so so uh all that said you know every day here in northern california wake up there's blue skies and uh, you know i'm healthy and my family's healthy there's a lot to be thankful for uh but that's that's the 50,000 foot uh, overview of of me and 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 uh America right now. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, it, look, it, it is crazy times where, wherever we look. Um, but let's, let's delve in a little bit to this smart cities, uh, topic mm. that y- you've spent so much time, um, you know, in, involved in both in, you know, in your role there for, uh, um, Palo Alto, um, which, which of course is, is, you know, one of the more well known, um, areas of, of Silicon Valley. Um, mm. And and really, you know, the things that you've been writing about um, in your book, and the things that you've been you've been teaching about. So, uh, I guess, for, you know, first and foremost, you know, why is there this sort of big drive for um, for smart cities? What are the what are the big sort of challenges that you see that technology and innovation can be involved in and changing? Yeah. Well, look, the the, the first sentence of my book is. Uh, this is a book about people, and and I want to really kind of uh, use that as sort of the the springboard for talking about this topic. Uh, people immediately think, you know, the topic of smart cities. We're probably going to talk about tech, and yes, we're going to talk about tech for sure. But but there's something much bigger, right? In my view, based on my research and 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 the work I've done with governments and cities all around the world, uh, our future belongs to cities. You know, uh, the, the, the often used data point that many people know, but I'll just share it because it kind of sets the stage, is more people live in cities today than live outside of cities. And we're moving into cities at about 3 million people per week. Right? And, and, and the last sort of quick data point here is we're building city infrastructure at a rate of the size of New York City every month, every month. And we're going to do that for the next 40 years. Um, when you think about things like uh, the climate emergency that we're, we're in right now, if you think about um, uh, health care and access to education and clean water and fresh air and career opportunities, it's all happening within cities. Um, so if we're going to solve those things, if we're going to solve the climate crisis and the climate emergency, we're going to have to do it inside Cities, so they're pretty important, and and the sort of core thesis here is that our cities are really important. Our future belongs to cities, but they're not in good shape. 
That's yeah, like I, stating the that's like stating the absolute obvious, right? <laughs> it's 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 so true though, and um, you know that that growth rate, you know, and a new effectively sort of New York every how often did you say? Every month, every month, yeah. I mean, that's uh, that, you know that's phenomenal, and you know, of, of course, yeah. down here in New Zealand where we don't see uh, we don't see a whole lot of uh, growth and and change, uh, other than you know roads getting a bit slower and and, and so on. Um, <laughs> you know that 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 sort of um, description is you know somewhat mind blowing because New York, of course, has a bigger population than uh, than all of New Zealand. Um, and and so you know life here in many ways is a, is a lot simpler um you know we've been uh, we've been fortunate i think in you know in so many ways uh you know during covid not to be as impacted as, as many uh, many parts of the world you know and uh, and and you know generally i think uh, there's there's a you know a pretty good uh, feeling but look you know realistically the, the those bigger issues around uh, you know climate change and um, homelessness and 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 so on these um, you know these sort of challenges uh, you know aren't unique to one part of the world or another and i'm i'm a big believer that uh, you know technology and innov- or innovative use of technology can really play an important role uh, in addressing some of these some of these ills, some of these issues uh, in society, and and you know as you rightly point out, um, you know the, these issues are uh, mostly centred uh, around our uh, our cities. So um, yeah. yeah, where do where do we go from here? Yeah, I, I'm glad you bring up some of those areas. I mean, th- th- this isn't just about you know, the transition to cars that drive themselves or maybe even the transition to, uh, you know, non-carbon energy, all, all interesting and important developments. I mean, very important. Um, but often for, for, for you sort of people day to day, you know, walking to work or driving to work, uh, you know, and, and living their life, they're, they're concerned about the cost of their home. They're concerned about uh, if they're going to have a job. Um, they're, they're, they see homelessness and mental illness. Um, you know, cities have uh, a, a, a um, they're, they're not short of these major, major challenges. And, and so, you know, I don't, it doesn't matter what we call it. We do, smart cities just seems to have stuck, right? It's just the term that's stuck. Um, but what we're really talking about is how do we build better cities that serve people better and just increase the quality of life? You know, so we don't have this excessive, you know, uh, this excessive homelessness or, or lack of inclusion for different parts of our society. Um, you know, so I, I wanted to write a book not only that was about tech and how we can apply the best of technology to create better communities, but how do we address all of these issues and think differently about uh, how we should operate our, our communities? So, th- so there is a big tech element. There's also a big element of just thinking, thinking differently, um, and 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 that's the that's the bigger. That, that's why the topic is so big. Right? Yeah, yeah, and look, and I and I think there's a there's also a universal sort of nature of um, you know of the, the the thinkings, the the mindset, the application of technology to solve problems. You know, when you look at it in one context, it can also inspire that thinking in other contexts. So, not everybody listening to this is going to be, you know, sitting in local government and have a, you know, an, an opportunity, or, or um, you know, or be in a, a technology company um, that is supplying local government. But everybody will, you know, I think find some, you know, some interesting take homes. Um, mm-hmm. you know, a because so many of us live in cities anyway, so we're very interested in well, how can I, our cities be be better? Um, yeah, you know, how can we solve some of those some of those frustrations, some of those challenges? Um, y- you know, and and whether those are sort of social ills or or, or other other things that uh, are are on our minds, uh, you know, traffic and and and, and so on. Um, but the, you know, it's that it's that broader view of you know where one bit of innovation often begets and, and helps facilitate other innovation. And the more we can, um, yeah. you know, we can we can learn, um, you know, the more that helps. And I think always these, these discussions come down to uh, empathetic thinking and having you know empathy for for all of those involved. And that's how we 
uh, you know, ultimately can solve these problems because we've got empathy for uh, the all the different sort of stakeholders, and we're not just looking at it through a lens, right? You know, a, a, a local uh, uh, mayor who runs a uh, you know a, a particular uh, region or, or city. Um, you know they 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 really have to be in that position of not just looking at it from well what ticks one box but it, it's really uh, looking at it from all those perspectives, and um, you know I guess this is this is this is a, a lot of the um, the thinking that uh, that you do right is is encouraging that sort of broader view to to step back and and look at how to really achieve outcomes that are um, that are great for for everybody Im- involved. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I mean, there's there's enormous frustration by city leaders uh, because they they are so uh, determined to to find solutions, and yet many of these things seem intractable. Um, but p- part of the problem is we're taking sort of a 20th century mindset and applying it in the 21st century. Um, and so, what I try to do is, uh, and and I work with lots of different people who are you know very smart on this topic. Is we try to take a twenty first century perspective. How can we uh, leverage the value of data? Uh, how can we take the advantages of digital transformation and apply them in a city context? So perhaps we can deliver with more efficiency, with lower cost um, than we have historically. Um, you know the the the. the if, if you are, if you're going to have people answering the phone, that's going to be expensive, you know, for every service in the city, particularly when we're, we're in a time of uh, either sort of flat revenue or perhaps because of COVID, many, many communities are going to see a drop in revenue. We got to think entirely different about how we're doing all this stuff. Now, this has been going on a while, by the way. You know, communities think that, you know, if, if you pay some taxes, government's going to take care of everything. Right. Well, that, that's just that's it's nonsense today in the 21st century. Uh, we all have to collaborate. And, and when I say all, I'm talking about the private sector, the public sector, academia. You know, I'm talking about um, the, 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 the NGOs, you know, the, the non-governmental organizations and community. And, 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 and it's the ultimate sort of public-private partnership. Um, there's also now more opportunity for the private sector to step up and just deliver solutions. You know, it, it, we don't have to wait necessarily for the mayor to do something or the, you know, the council to say, okay, this is a good idea. You know, or today it was interesting. Um, the Federal Aviation Authority in the United States uh, finally approved uh, Amazon to deliver packages by drones. This yes, is, uh, yeah, it, I heard that. You, you would have heard it, but I bet you nobody else because we're so super focused on other topics that some of this are like really groundbreaking uh, these th- things are happening. I don't, and I'm not saying I'm some huge advocate for partial delivery by drones. I'm just saying it's coming and it's going to have consequences. And, and, uh, and so this was not initiated by cities to make it easier to deliver medicine or something or, you know, to, to, to be able to send supplies to a, 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 a growing, a, an aging population. This wasn't, this is entirely driven by the private sector. Um, you know, so there's there's many examples ultimately of where the private sector says, "Hey, you know what? We're fed up with you know, or or, we, or not that they're just fed up, but we see a problem. Let's step up and and solve it." And and fortunately, now we have this growing gov tech, urban tech sector that that that's doing that. So when we talk about the future of cities and when we think about better communities, we're also talking about thinking differently, designing differently. Um, and and taking advantage of the the best parts of tech. Yeah. So when when um, when we break that down and delve into it, where are you seeing the most innovation mm-hmm. on on this front? You know, the, what's what's got me kind of curious, I suppose, is there does seem to be this wide, widespread interest in in smart cities, and you know, I guess it's quite natural. You know, any uh, any city wants to uh, wants to look good uh, to those that live there. They want to attract others from other areas, and they deal with all you know. Well, many of the same sorts of, of challenges from a financial perspective, and I mean we've seen COVID put a put a huge sort of financial load on on yeah. cities. And I haven't seen a good breakdown of you know exactly why that's the case. You know, here in here in Auckland, we you know there's just um, you know 
financial shortfalls of hundreds of millions of dollars, if not into the the billions. I, you know, and you know, I'm not sure exactly what you know what it is that's uh, that's causing uh, Auckland to be you know so uh, so far out of pocket compared to. Uh, normal normal scenarios, um, mm-hmm. but when I, when I look at, when I look sort of around the world, where um, where I hear about the most sort of um, interesting things, often it seems to be China. Now I'm not saying that's necessarily um, mm-hmm. good or bad, but um, you know there there are some aspects that are that are probably fall in one direction, and and some that we would feel fall. Uh, in other directions. Now, I don't know how much time you've you've spent uh, in China, um, but of course, when you've you've got a, a very sort of um, uh, um, what what would you say? Um, uh, you know, a, a government that can uh, that can make decisions and 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 do what mm-hmm. it like what it likes without uh, necessarily there being any any support from the general public. Um, you know they could go out and uh, and roll out you know technologies such as well let's drop a few million cameras into a you know into a city and so on. Um, that said, of course, you know London has lots of uh, lot, lots of cameras as as do most most parts of the world. Um, but what <laughs> right. are the, what are the places that uh, have been on your radar that um, you know have really done some some of the best uh, things? And what do you think of what uh, what is happening in um, in parts of China? Mm-hmm. Well, let, let let me maybe just start with the China question uh, first, uh, and then we'll we'll get, I'll go back to the more broader picture. Um, I, I, all I can say is what's got, what's been happening in China over the last twenty to thirty years is just absolutely phenomenal. Uh, the the level of investment in infrastructure is off the charts. I mean, the data is is clear on this. I, I'm going to mess this up, but it, it just gives your listeners a a sense of it. Um, you know, they, they, they poured more concrete <laughs> and built more infrastructure in like 10 years uh, what, uh, compared to what the U.S. did in about 200 years. Um, so the, the, they, they caught up very, very fast. And now they're pushed. They're moving forward even more rapidly. Um, so, they're, they're, you know, the, the, the thousands of miles of uh, high speed rail that they've laid down. Um, you know the the the, the, the again the thousands and thousands of miles of fiber that they've put in place and and the cellular uh, networks uh, and the investment they're making in education to turn out lots of engineers and physicists and you know lots and lots of smart people um, you know the the investments they're making in in other countries surrounding them and also in Africa uh, to to ensure future demand and and, and future dependencies. Um, it's, it's, it's remarkable. Um, and, uh, and, and as you said, they, they do it in, in, a, in their government is different. Their, their, their governance and their structure is entirely different to here in the U S where, um, you know, we, if we're going to build a road, the, we, we have to understand all the wildlife and, and, you know, the erosion and the environmental consequences, all good stuff, but it slows everything down. And I mean, it slows it down to the point of, nothing's moving forward you know here here in silicon valley we have a we have an absolutely out of control um housing crisis i mean there's 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 not enough housing i mean it might change now because of covid but we'll see what happens in the long term um and you know people say there's no solution it's it's it's, there's no way to solve this problem there absolutely is a way to solve the problem build more uh, buildings and build them more high rises but here's the thing people don't want to do it People, nobody wants to change the quality of life we have or the look of their their little quaint little uh, you know Silicon Valley towns. That's the choices we're making. Um, not the same necessarily in other countries and and, and China where um, they uh, they actually have too many homes, too much property as a consequence of overbuilding. Yeah, there are some um, places where they've basically built cities and there's uh, yeah. well, maybe not quite entire cities, but there there are areas that are. You know, there's empty empty buildings sitting waiting for a population to uh, to arrive. Sure, they, they they call them the ghost cities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And part of that is, you know, when you when you build, you you drive economic growth. And so, if you continue to build, you continue to feed this hungry beast and and uh, uh, create uh, you know above average GDP. Um, we'll we'll see what happens to China in the long term. I mean, the uh, they're they're positioned well for for dominating this century or a good chunk of it. Um, and you know, if they get some breakthroughs in in artificial intelligence and quantum computing, 
um, you know, all bets are off, then, then we're, then, then everything is different. Um, I, I think when you look around the world, uh, there's a there's a lot of good work being done to build better cities. Uh, I mean, the, the, there there is a recognition that there's a recognition of the challenges, and there's a recognition that we have to be bolder in how we we solve them. And the other dynamic is we're starting to see sort of the internet natives become the leaders, right? As, as sort of the millennials and uh, uh, in particular start to enter senior roles in organizations, they were born with the internet. They were born with tech and apps and smartphones. Um, so you, one would expect, and, and this is what we're seeing, is that there is more of a tech-centric uh, approach to, to solving problems, a better appreciation, for example, of the role of data. And you know, to get back to an earlier question you asked, which I didn't answer properly or fully in terms of what can we do, uh, we can start by taking advantage of the of the high volumes of data that cities have in order to make better decisions, to do better planning, to be able to create new solutions that there's, there's an enormous opportunity in data, but um, you were looking for maybe some specifics. I mean, the, the, the ones that people will always cite, and I've been to these places are Dubai, you know, in, in the United Arab Emirates. Um, it, it does feel a little bit like flying into the future. I mean, the, the city is, is remarkable. It's, uh, it's got that sort of like a new car smell, you know, yeah, <laughs> as a city. Yeah. Um, you know, Singapore, uh, you know, it's small, dense, um, and well-managed, you know. And, and so uh, it's not for everybody, you know, the, the system is not for everybody. But um, if, you, if you are part of it, you know, you won't see homelessness there really because they – it's a priority that everyone gets a home and everybody has access to a home. They they make education their number one national goal, and and they've they've prospered because of that. Um, you see um, you see some good work being done in some European cities. Uh, you know the work uh, in, in Barcelona got particular attention because it, it it had a few sort of big tech companies jump in and sort of make it a a city, a, a flagship city for for new tech uh, like Internet of Things and smart trash cans so you know you could you could deal with waste more effectively um so how is that sort of you know played out are we are we really just at the very very early phases of you know this this, what what we would call a a smart city obviously you know there are there are some cities like christchurch here in new zealand uh that in in many ways are very new cities because they've you know that they've had uh an incident and you know the case of christchurch with with the earthquakes Um, that's that's meant effectively, you know, but rebuilding from you know from scratch over the last uh, uh, last decade. Um, you know, a, a city like Barcelona, you know, I guess there, there, there's um, you know a, a pretty big population. There, there's a lot of uh, infrastructure that's been around a long time, um, but where you've got that willingness, there's there's an opportunity um, to to bring change. And of course, we there are levels of, of things where there's constant change. You know, be it the rollout of fiber or starting to move into five G. You talked about you know Internet of Things. There are you know definitely uh, ongoing and, and constant opportunities, aren't there, in terms of uh, changing yeah. and, and improving uh, the, the infrastructure. Yeah, yeah, lots of great points there. I have to say, uh, on my last visit to uh, to New Zealand, and, and I'm not saying this because I'm talking to you on this podcast or anything, uh, it's certainly one of my favorite places in the whole world. Um, and I think I shared with you, uh, when I visited New Zealand for the very first time, but when we first met two years ago, um, and, you know, I, I travel a lot. I usually get to the airport, and I'm, like, happy to go home. Uh, this was the first time... In, in maybe my life when I sat in the terminal at the gate waiting for my flight, I was like, I'd love to stay another four or five weeks. Like I didn't want to leave. So uh, I have great love for, for New Zealand. And I, as soon as the COVID nonsense is gone, I'm, I'm getting back there. Um, but I did drive down to Christchurch on my last visit. And, um, you know, it, it's one thing to sort of see the tragedy that happened, you know, uh, through uh, video and news, nothing to be there and, and really understand the full extent of it and all. And what I noticed was, you're, to your point, exactly right, you know, they had the opportunity to rethink the, a, a big city. Uh, and and wh- who has that chance, right, <laughs> to, to say, how now that we get the second chance, unfortunately, how might we do it differently? And I did notice things like, for example, 
much more focus on uh, spreading the city out more. So the you know the boulevards were wider. There was more green space. Um, if I'm not mistaken, they were in the final stages of the of some light rail. Um, all good decisions. Those, those make a community. These are the things we've learned. These make communities better when people have access to high quality public transport. Uh, when there are more parks, it is better for uh, mental states. You know, so people are healthier in their minds. Um, so you know, you, when I look across the world and I think of the you know the, the most the breakthrough things that are happening, of course. Uh, sensors being placed for, you know, water detection or for better, you know, a management of traffic. Th- these are things that definitely jump out. But I'm also impressed with, for example, pedestrianization. How many cities uh, are beginning to think about how can we give our, our, our cities, our urban infrastructure back to people rather than, you know, the, the, the decades we've had now in, or the century we've had of, of cities for cars. You know, let's have cities for people. Let's 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 define the future of cities as places that are built for humans and not for cars or other mechanical things. Um, so you see, like some really neat work being done in, in in Mexico City and even in Times Square, New York, where they they have permanently pedestrianized major thoroughfares, and you see what happens. Life emerges. You know, people start to to gather and and to. Uh, like for example, if you go to Times Square now, well, not right now because it's not a good time. But when you when things are better, um, you'll you'll see that there's people uh, you know congregating to to watch entertainment, to, uh, to to drink coffee together, to do things that you know were unmanageable, uh, unimaginable, I should say, uh, just uh, just a decade ago or so. Um, so you know, I, I think even these sort of like analog features are are transforming our cities. And the, the one last thing I wanted to just say about this, because this has sort of been a, a little bit of a passion of mine over the last few months because of the, my research in this area, is the emergence of urban forests. You know, this is this is really cool, is, is bringing trees back into our cities. Um, there are so many positives to this. Um, everything from, you know, reducing the heat of cities uh, and, and, and tree covering uh, canopies do that to making cities and, and streets look more beautiful and on and on. It, it, there's this great movement to bringing, you know, the trees back and, and, and air quality is an obvious one, right? Um, so you see, you see, uh, like, uh, as I traveled around Europe and even, for example, I was in, um, Santiago, uh, Chile and, you know, the remarkably beautiful and modern city for sure. Um, and a real emphasis on on um, on trees having uh, their streets uh, have these gorgeous uh, canopies of of trees. Um, so that you know, you, it might be surprising to people listening about this topic of smart cities, and I'm talking about trees. But really, that that's some of the broad and and almost unorthodox thinking that is required now to transform our communities. Yeah, it's 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 interesting, isn't it? And this uh, there does seem to be that sort of constant move around the world, wherever you look, to you know better cater to public transport and walking. And um, yeah, there's there's a trade off for those uh, in in vehicles, and and it, you know it is quite interesting uh, at at the moment to get around Auckland, you know, city. We you know we don't have the uh, the train infrastructure yet. That's uh, you know that 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 that's coming in terms of in the uh, in the central city and being able to get from you know one, one end of it to to another, uh, it's pretty painful to uh, to drive around and so on. But you know we're we're in a state of transition, so you know mm. I'm kind of curious how that will uh, how that will will land. But it does seem to be very much a sort of a you know a global move to make it easier for people to to get around on on bikes and 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 on foot. Uh, you know com- compared to in um, in cars, so yeah, I'm I'm kind of curious how that will play out. I mean, I've certainly spent my fair uh, time walking around cities like San Francisco and 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 New York, and yeah, they're um, uh, it, it can be a long hike from one uh, you know one one place to another, and it does vary in mm. terms of how good the uh, the uh, infrastructure is in terms of subways and and um, uh, and the like to sort of you know get you around. So you know, cars are still a, a pretty important part of the of the mix. It's it's fair to say, 
Um, when we look forward a, a, a little bit, uh, a little bit further, Jonathan, um, uh-huh. you know, we, we, we're sort of, I guess, you know, in this stage of, of sort of laying a lot of foundations for, um, you know, much more technological, you know, city, cities of the future. Um, how do you see things playing out? For you know, for instance, um, you know, one challenge that I'm sure has been common around the world in um, in recent months has been uh, connectivity for uh, for people wherever they they are. Um, you know, particularly those who are, are maybe not as as wealthy. Um, while schools are closed down, you've got you know families everywhere that are wanting. Um, their children to be successful, but in order to be able to, you know, take advantage of of online learning, you need to be able to get online. Um, is this one aspect that you see that the smart city of the future has as some, you know, sort of universal connectivity that's that's open to all, even if it's, you know, maybe a, a, a lighter grade than what we expect people maybe to have uh, in terms of, you know gigabit 10 gigabit you know plus um, you know mm-hmm. fiber into into every home is that one aspect of the of the smart city yeah yeah I, I can't help thinking of when when uh, I was chatting to you when you were over in Palo Alto uh, a while back and you were telling me all about the uh, New Zealand strategy to, to deploy fiber uh, it was it was I was very impressed and and uh, you, you clearly have a couple of advantages you know not a huge population and not a massive country. So you, you have some, uh, you know, characteristics there that, that help. But that all said, you still have to have leadership. You still have to have a vision, you know, and, and apparently New Zealand got that. And, and, uh, hopefully that, that, that plan is rolling out as you expected. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. If you go back to 1850, let's do a big, a little bit of <laughs> urban history here. Uh, electricity is the, is the big thing that, that happens. And, you know, electricity absolutely changes the world and enables, you know, telecommunications and railways and factories and, um, and air flight, um, and, 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 uh, lots of, lots of things to suddenly happen and transform the world. And that um, took a it, long time to arrive, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's my point. So this is 1850, right? And we started right. to electrify the world. Yeah. Um, it is now 2020, right? And we haven't finished that project yet. <laughs> You know, it's, 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 it's mind-boggling, I mean, isn't it? I mean, I remember my father telling me about growing up in the, in the UK. Um, I don't know, an hour or, or or so out of London in the village that he was in, and um, yeah, he was he was telling me about listening to the wireless, and they had to go. You know, they had to take their their battery. There was somebody in the in the village <laughs> uh, that they would take this battery to to get charged, so that they could listen to the. To the radio, and I'm thinking, hold on, this is the 19, you know, this is the 1940s, and you didn't have electricity in your in your home, um, you know. So, yeah. and and you're telling me, of course, that yeah, there are still parts of the world that are uh, um, that are lacking that, and and I, and I guess you know there there are parts of you know New Zealand and parts of the Pacific Islands and so on that are off off grid too. Um, yeah. But yeah, that that is actually a bit of, bit of a wake up call. I, th- I think we forget some of these realities. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, the, the they called the, the radio was called a wireless. Yeah. By the way, so your your father probably uh, uh, your relatives referred to as, as, as the wireless. Um, and and yeah, and, and so you've got uh, still uh, somewhat a little less than a billion people today uh, who who don't have uh, access to electricity in the in the seamless way. Uh, we do, and so you fast forward, and, and we have the information technology revolution, and uh, you know, really starts in the '40s, and you know, gets underway really in earnest in the '50s and the '60s. Um, we get the internet, you know, around about the the '90s starts to be available to all of us, and now we're it's 30 years later, and we're we're approaching about 60 percent of the world has access to the internet. Um, so it's it's you know that's been rapid relative to other major infrastructure deployments. But at the same time, you know, 40% of the world woke, woke up or will wake up tomorrow morning with no access to the internet. Um, so yes, it, it, it is, uh, it, it is still a huge, uh, infrastructure project. Um, it, it's not equally distributed across the world. Of course, you have, uh, uh fantastic infrastructure, uh, in, in South Korea. Um, but then you get into, 
you know, the rural areas of the United States and, and they don't have access or they have just dial-up still. Um, so, uh, and then the, I'm not even talking about parts of India and parts of Africa where there's no access whatsoever. Um, uh, so uh, if, if we're going to be considered smart, you know, if we're going to have the advantages of, of connected devices, um, of more digital services, you got to have a digital infrastructure. And the basics of a digital infrastructure is connectivity, is the internet, is, uh, is, is copper, is fiber, is wireless, and, and, and the whole now spectrum of different, uh, you know, uh, short range and long range wireless capabilities. Um, so yeah, for any mayor, any city leader, uh, the, the, the creating leadership and, a vision and, and, and eliciting the funds and having the partnership to bring faster infrastructure, um, I should say connectivity or telecommunications to its community, partnering with the right people. That, that needs to be a, a basic foundational part of, of any future city. Um, you know, if you don't have access to the internet, you, you, you cannot participate in the 21st century. I mean, and, and, and that, that applies to things like, uh, uh education. And jobs and healthcare, you know, basic stuff. So, yeah, we, that that that's a foundational aspect for sure. What are some of those other things that um, you know we've seen that are that are either you know um, reasonably new or coming, you know, in the next few years ahead in terms of what we would call the the real smarts? You know, you, you mentioned data before and. You know, we've seen it here in New Zealand that our uh, our parking uh, technology has has ramped up in a you know re- reasonably short a short space of time, and we've got a, you know some some innovative firms here that are involved in um, you know in selling some of that technology out to uh, out to the world, and you know that that creates a, a scenario where a city can know you know how what percentage of car parks are in use, where where are the car parks that are most congested. And and you know be a lot more intelligent about well where should you know further car parks be built where should we be making you know changes to to roading and you know there's so much data to to draw on and then you know yeah. I guess uh, age old issues of overflowing um, uh, rubbish bins we'd call them here in New Zealand I guess you'd probably call them trash cans or or, or something in the uh, <laughs> in in America but. Um, you know that the, the idea. Well, you can connect these things up. What What are some of the other things that are uh, that are that are going on that uh, you know we 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 can look look forward to, or that are that are already going in and in other parts of the world, other than just cameras that uh, that that spy on us and um, um, yeah. you know call down thunderbolts from uh, from Elon Musk's uh, satellites <laughs> or, or or something. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Well. There are kind of four, maybe the way to think about this is my famous four buckets, right? The first one is uh, digitalization. You know, there's still an awful lot of work to do to uh, bring our cities up to, uh, you know, even even the lowest entry levels of of the private sector. Um, You know, we're still filling out too many paper forms. (laughs) You know, it's it's quite remarkable. Um, You know, we're still faxing stuff. We're still... Um, having to go to a, uh, an actual physical place and fill out a form and get it witnessed and stuff. So there's, there's an enormous amount of opportunity in some of this easy stuff. Mm, you know? mm. um, it's worth a lot of money, by the way. It's, you know, to, to digitize government uh, and cities is, is a tremendous opportunity and there's lots of gaps. So, you know, if you're, if you're an entrepreneur or you're a young person thinking about, what you want to do with your life for the next few years, uh, boys, there, there's a ton of opportunity to help with the digitalization of, of cities and governments. Um, and so people can look forward to hopefully, you know, more seamless processes, more remote access, no necessity to, to go to a, a, a place. And for example, if you're going to get a, you know, if you're going to do something in your home, like let's say you get a new kitchen, right? And, and this will be different in different places. But here in the U.S., you got to get it's got to be got to do inspections, electrical and plumbing inspections. You got to get certificates. I mean, it's a whole. You got to get a permit. There's all, all different types of steps and stages you got to go through to to do something like a, uh, to build a new kitchen, and it involves you know quite a lot of going backwards and forwards to the permitting center, which uh, every every community has. Um, a lot more of that should be able to be done on a, on a smartphone, frankly. Um, 
So yeah, I think that would, that would make a huge difference, wouldn't it? Because there there seems to be these huge layers of bureaucracy just to do very yeah. sort of simple, maybe a simple change to uh, you know to a home. And you know here here in New Zealand, I think they've lightened up some of uh, some of that regulation to try and help sort of stir spending in the economy. So. You know, pe- people get a, a little bit more done now. I don't know whether that says that we didn't need those things in the first place, or yeah. whether it's it's you know it's just a little bit of a trade off for a short period of time. But yeah, that 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 seems like a really sort of smart move if if you could move those things to digital. Uh, if you need to do you know if a um, you know a council or local government of some sort needs to inspect something. You know, can't they do that over a remote video call rather than yep. having to spend a whole lot of time get from location A to location B? I mean, they could probably get twice as much done in in the same amount of time, right? Yeah, no question. And 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 you know, it, it's often often repeated now. I mean, COVID nineteen has brought more digitalization to government in in six months than. Uh, anything else in the last 10 years, you know, or, or even 20 years. Uh, so it has accelerated some of those things. It's just we've had to do it. So, uh, you know, there's been some, if, if, if we're if we're an optimist like I am, um, the silver lining on some of this, you know, this COVID nonsense and this, this horrible thing that's happened is that uh, we've seen some innovation happen that should have happened a, a long time ago. Um, yeah, so the, so the second the second category is going to be uh, transportation. I, I think this uh, is an area that we can we can see with our own eyes is, is being transformed in it. And it ranges from everything from uh, many, many different forms of transport, everything from an, uh, like a scooter to an e-bike uh, to light rail that we see rolling out to much more adoption of bicycles in general. I mean, this is a phenomenon all around the world. Um, I'm, I'm reminded of a, of a conversation that I had with the deputy mayor of Paris about, about, I don't know, eight years ago. And he said that, you know, uh, the, the, the use of bicycles was growing all over Europe. It had always been huge in the Netherlands and some other places. But, it, you know, in France and particularly in Paris, people didn't cycle by, didn't really cycle. Um, and, and so they, they thought, well, there's a bit of a trend. Let's try it. And, there was a big argument, you know, at City Hall that, you know, we'll, we'll roll out a thousand of these bikes uh, for people and nobody will use them. The French will never use them. Um, and, well, they rolled out a thousand bikes and they were all absolutely used and, oh, and there wasn't enough bikes for all the demand. So they ended up a few months later adding another two or three thousand. And eventually uh, it, it really caught on. And today, Paris, it's it's almost like uh, you can't recognize it with the amount of cyclists. Um, so, so bicycles have become a, a very big part of society. And the same thing's happening here in the U.S. A, a America is often called the auto nation. Um, you know, people, uh, the suburbs were built uh, based on cars. And um, and now bicycles are starting to take off. And, and the trouble is we've, we've got these huge distances and we don't have the infrastructure. So, uh, fortunately, we're seeing some some good progress there. We'll also see uh, autonomous vehicles. This is going to be a big impact to our future, the way we get around. Um, it may also mean things like we won't own cars. And so what happens in a to a city when their you know car ownership disappears eventually? Um, well, it means like maybe maybe we don't need parking lots or we can convert some parking lots into into hotels or housing. Um, or retail, whatever, whatever it makes sense. Maybe, maybe retail is a bad idea now, <laughs> um, you know, because it's all, it's all pretty much going to yeah. go online. It seems. Yeah. Um, uh, y- you know, so high speed rail, of course, will will come to more places. Um, Hyperloop is kind of interesting. Uh, it, it, I think it's still speculative, but there are some Hyperloop projects, and if they work, um, the ones that are being proposed, uh, you know, it could be a, it could it could. Uh, ignite a an hyperloop revolution or you know similar um uh, drones we talked about that briefly earlier um you know today you look up in the sky it's blue sky and you can see the birds and things it could be within a few years that our 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 main arteries in our cities are full of these flying drones in in all sorts of directions they'll they'll Um, have to conquer the um the, the sort of the rain issue in in Auckland and the wind issue in Wellington and uh, you know a, yeah. a, a few uh, a few other things like that to uh, 
um, you know, to make them work all the time. But yeah, we, we, I mean, that's been something that's maybe been sort of quite a slow burn, hasn't it? But it does seem as though we w- we will see some, you know, some reasonable steps forward within, um, you know, just how um, you know, electric flight technology can be can be applied to various things, whether it's mm-hmm. the, you know, those drone deliveries, or you know, here in, in New Zealand we've got the. Um, uh, development of the um, autonomous air taxis from uh, from Wisk, which of course is sort of a, a, a joint venture between uh, um, you know US funders, in, including uh, Boeing and uh, and so mm. on, um, and and uh, the uh, the work here in in New Zealand. So yeah, that's going to be quite interesting to see how it uh, how it plays out. Do you? Have a sort of a sense of how quickly we would see that that change. I mean, some things are much easier and much quicker uh, to take place, aren't they? And um, <laughs> you know, I remember reading about uh, bicycles coming into uh, and how they've just changed transport. And you know, I think bicycles have sort of you know they probably gained popularity around 150 years ago or so. Um, but before that, it was walking, and suddenly you know bicycles became something that uh, that people could could own and, and utilize. And the distance that people travelled, um, on average, uh, you know, increased you know by you know quite a quite a number of times because of bicycles. And now you know, of course, we we, we have um, you know bikes you can just you, know, you don't need to own. Uh, there's there's that ability just to jump on and use them, and of course the the electric aspect, and that's come from sort of nothing to uh, to being very very common, mm-hmm. um, you know, along with other other forms of um, other forms of of uh, uh, similar you know type of type of transport. And I I saw uh, saw some news. I think it was in the last you know 24 hours on um, I don't know what you would call them, but more the uh, um, like a, a, an, a an electric Vespa type um, uh, bike, yep. and uh, you know that, that you know obviously even even further in, in terms of range and and uh, you know higher performance than uh, than an, than an e bike. So yeah, you can imagine those things will will keep moving along. Um, the the air movement uh, for me is a, is a little bit uh, less certain in terms of how quickly that'll move and 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 even. You know, will it or will it not uh, happen? Do we, you know, are we comfortable with mm-hmm. things flying around in the sky? And uh, uh, is the technology uh, able to deliver? Shall we say? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I, I don't know that we're going to see passenger drones be uh, universally used uh, anytime soon, and and not because we can't, but because we. Like the technology is there, we can definitely we, we, we already see you know uh, drone taxis in limited use. It's the cost. It, the economics don't make it a uh, something that can be widely used, at least not right now. And I, I don't see that for a long time. So that that's more of a economic problem, moving humans in in drones. Um, but 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 drones for package delivery and and you know primarily, um, I think that's going to happen fast and big. Um, certainly, what COVID has done is it, it's uh, it's accelerated the this new the the the, the demand for delivery. I mean, yeah, it's, it's, yeah. you know, people have are shifting from brick and mortar to online, and uh, they were anyway. But you know, COVID now has accelerated it, and people are getting their groceries and their meals all delivered now, um, and their medicine and. Um, you know, it'll become a, a, a war of who can deliver fastest. I mean, it, it was funny when we went from like overnight delivery, which seemed amazing, to same day delivery, which we thought, wow, that's so incredible, to now one hour delivery, which we thought, wow, that's pretty impressive. Um, and now what, what Amazon are targeting with their um, Prime Air is 30 minute delivery. Um, is, <laughs> I'm laughing because I'm thinking about. There's a, a terrific comedian on, on Netflix did a stand-up show, and I wish I could remember his name right now. And people, some people will know what I'm talking about. And he talks about this very notion of like the speed of delivery. <laughs> it's like how he got more and more impressed. And he said, eventually, like you know, it's 30 minutes and 15 minutes and five minutes. And then he said, everybody, it won't be competitive enough. They'll deliver before you even think of it. You know, <laughs> the package will arrive. You didn't even know you wanted it. It'll happen like 10 minutes before you even got your computer. 
it's like it gets so ridiculous in terms of like compressing the time. <laughs> yeah, um, well, you think you, you think know, about uh, yeah the the extreme uses of artificial intelligence, and uh, <laughs> yeah, maybe you, you can sign up if you sign up for the top plan with Amazon. They'll uh, they'll always have something waiting for you based on what the AI thinks you might need next, um, based oh, on the you? time of day and and everything else. So I guess it's all possible. Well, oh, it's t- totally possible. No, I I mean you know the 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 reason. One of the areas that Amazon has totally figured out and is using AI on is when you have a baby. Because they know when you have a baby, if you start ordering baby stuff, they know there's a baby in your life. And once you're hooked on that, once you're getting things uh, through uh, Amazon delivered quickly that are related to a baby, you're hooked. You're in the ecosystem. And they know what you want when you want it. They're going to, they know the age of your child. And what the child's going to need at every month of its life, probably through its entire life. Um, so th- th- this is not some, you know, <laughs> magical mystery, you know, fiction we're talking about here. Um, but I, you, your question was how fast, you know, and I think about um, how quickly we went from uh, we, we got our phones, our cell phones, went from pages to phones. Uh, you know, we started, we suddenly got our smartphones and we had some apps and things. But text messaging here in the United States, for example, you know, it, we, we didn't have it because the, the telco companies were not talking to each other. So, you yeah, really I, re- I recall that it was it was very big yeah. in, uh, you know, in New Zealand and other Same places. Thing. I remember uh, Singapore where pages were very big and we didn't we didn't really have that kind of phase in, in New Zealand to the uh, to, to that degree where it was kind of like you know everybody had a pager you know here yeah. I think we, we went to just to, uh, to to cell phones and yeah texting was a big part of it but uh, yeah the US sort of got left out of that for, uh, for, for 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 many years and sometimes there's these kind of odd artificial barriers right that hold things up and then yeah. in other cases it all just you know, it flows through very quickly, and in, in the same way, I guess Spotify, uh, you know, just just you know moved in and suddenly become the became this sort of force in terms mm. of um, you know how how we can consumed uh, music and uh, you know the radio industry and 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 others were impacted uh, you know very quickly. It's so true, so true, and and um, well, yeah, I mean, Spotify is completely huge disruptor to the music industry. But then I would, you know, going back to the texting for a moment, I would go to Europe and all my friends were texting. And I was like, this was like crazy. Like when people were going to be late and stuff, they were all, t- and it seems so quaint now, but this is like all of like, what, 10 years ago, 12 years ago. Um, and then I come back to the US and nobody was texting, you know, we couldn't, we didn't have the technology to, to, to be interoperable between the different telcos. Well, it eventually happened. You know, obviously they had to negotiate. It was going to happen. And texting happened what i would say like I, I would characterize as overnight yeah america went from nobody nobody texting to everybody texting so i feel a little bit like um you know there, there's the, the momentum around drones is building now fda's approved um you know amazon they've also approved uh, several others over the last few months um you look up at the sky don't hear anything i don't see anything and before we know it, there's going to be a lot of traffic, a lot of drone traffic. By the way, there's going to be issues. People are not going to like the noise, and they're going to be worried about the the safety issues and the privacy issues. There's lots of things to come out of that. We have a great um, company here in New Zealand that's addressing the noise the noise issue with some 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 very smart things to uh, to keep them keep them quiet. So they're very smart acoustics. Oh. Yeah, I th- they're going to be popular. <laughs> the other two quick areas uh, in the limit in the in the short amount of time we have left is um, is uh, energy is the energy revolution. Uh, I, I, one is the energy revolution, and related to all of this is is um, how cities are going to respond to the climate emergency. Um, but let me just sort of talk just briefly about the energy revolution for a moment. Um, this is something that's absolutely underway right now, and. For a lot of us, it's sort of invisible. We, we, we don't have that great visibility into how our energy is, uh, is derived and, and delivered to our houses. Um, but there is a movement going on. There certainly is massive efforts to, to, to reduce the carbon uh, energy that we produce in favor of non-carbon, particularly um, uh, in, terms, in terms of uh, wind, uh, solar is in there, and, 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 and uh, uh, hydro. And there's you know, nuclear is part of the mix a little bit, um, and and so we're we're not going to see any sudden elimination of carbon energy. We we, sim- the, the, we simply 
can't deliver the, the, at the right cost and the, and the reliability we have today with the with the non-carbon uh, options yet. But we can have a better mix. We can have more solar and more wind and then less coal, less oil, less gas. Um, and this means, you know, as we go, for example, specifically towards something like solar, uh, major infrastructure changes in our in our cities. You, you already see them. You see buildings with their with their solar roofs. You see parking lots now having solar panels all over them. Um, you even see homes that are able to power a good deal of their power. And in fact, in some places uh, where where they have a lot of sunny days. Um, homeowners are able to even sell the energy back into the grid and, yeah, and that's in fact cool. make a, make some profit from it. Um, so I think we have that to look forward to. I think, I think it, it's a kind of a good news story that we're not really celebrating that much. Um, you know, where we talk about how much new gigawatts of energy are placed onto the grids every year in, in our societies. And, um, up until just a few years ago, the, the trajectory was continued to be, you know, coal, uh, oil, and gas. Um, and, you know, gas has really had a bit of its own revolution, um, to not great because that's not fabulous for the environment. Um, but simultaneously, we've seen this, uh, whilst oil, um, actually all three have dropped in terms of net new gigawatts of power being introduced. Um, they're not going away and they won't go away for many decades in terms of, uh, introducing new uh, carbon-based uh, energy. Um, but we see this very steep and accelerated adoption of uh, uh, solar and, and wind and, and the others. Um, and that, that's, a, that's a good news story because the, the, uh, it, it's just it's intuitively, you know, here we have lower-cost, abundant, clean energy uh, if, we, if we can do it right. Um, and, and, and it can help really in a big way with the, with the climate emergency. Um, so I think the, 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 why this all makes sense is, you know, cities are the biggest consumers of energy. By the way, data centers are the largest in most developed countries in terms of consuming energy. So bring it back to tech for a second. Um, but if we're going to, you know, solve the climate emergency, we have to do it in cities and with cities producing you know, the most amount of energy and requiring the most amount of energy, we're going to be uh, seeing this transition, which will have all these positive uh, impacts uh, over time. So I think that's a, a very visible big thing to look forward to. Well, there's, uh, there really is so much we could delve into, Jonathan. And, you know, I, I could see we've, uh, we've, we've, we've been through uh, about an hour already and we could probably burn through a, a, another one or one or two sort of different uh, directions we could go. But look, it's been absolutely fascinating um, chatting with you. Great to, always great to cat, catch up, uh, you know, whether it's uh, in person or across the airwaves like, uh, like this. Um, now tell us where, where people can, um, can track down uh, smart cities uh, for dummies and, um, yes. you know, what, what they should, uh, um, or where, where they should look to uh, to find you and to follow you on uh, on social media. Well, thanks thanks for the opportunity to share that. So yeah, the the Smart Cities for Dummies book it's part of the Dummy series from Wiley. Uh, it's out now about six weeks. Uh, it's a blockbuster. I'm I'm so humbled and just totally, uh, you know, it's been amazing um, to see the enthusiasm and and the, just the the interest in this book. So it's moving big time all over the world. Um, I've had uh, and I've sent and I've had requests from uh, everywhere, from Iran, from Japan, Korea, a lot from South America, uh, from New Zealand, of course, Australia. So it's, it's really terrific. People are interested in the communities and in the cities. Um, they want to make a difference. They want to know what the tools are. This book, whilst it is part of the Dummy series, many people have told me it it doesn't really feel like a, a sort of a dumbed down book. It, it feels like a comprehensive guide uh, for anyone who wants to make a difference, anyone who wants to participate in their city, whether you work for the city or you're a community member or you're a vendor or you're in academia. Um, I wrote it for everyone and um, I, I didn't write it down to anyone. I wrote it, you know, uh, respecting people's intelligence and giving lots of examples and lots of how to. So, um, I do want people to, uh, if they if they were in any way intrigued uh, intrigued by our conversation today, to know that, that this is a a good little investment if they want to pick up the book. Um, 
Uh, it is available, of course, on Amazon. Um, it's in a, a, a Booktopia, which I b- believe is popular in Australia and New Zealand. Yeah, as the, as an online service. Hopefully, <laughs> I haven't. I, that's not one I've used, but uh, yeah, we've certainly got we've got plenty of uh, you know plenty of choices, haven't we? Which is is great. Yeah. Have you got a yeah. um, audio book coming coming out as well? <clears throat> well, there is talk of that uh, right now. You know, Dummy's book is is not. You know, ideal for uh, yeah. an audio book because it is a it, it's a how to guide. Yeah, and there is some diagrams and things like that. And um, but but there there is there looks like there may be sufficient interest in it. Um, there is an ebook, of course. Uh, so it is the, both physical form, and you can get the ebook right now. You know, straight away onto your onto your e reader, whatever it is. Uh, that's that's absolutely available. Um, and and we'll 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 see what happens with the audio. We're we're looking at a Spanish edition soon, and also a potentially a German edition. Uh, so I'm hoping to get the Spanish. Uh, I hope hoping that there's there's a Spanish edition by the end of the year. Um, not that that's terribly interesting for New Zealand audience, but you may have. Well, Spanish we have people from people. all over the world here in New Zealand. So that's uh, true. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> absolutely. True. Oh, that's. Uh, that's great. Well, yeah, really, really good to catch up. Um, now, if people wanted to follow you on uh, yeah. on on Twitter, is that that's that's sort of your main uh, social media channel? Yeah, I'm pretty pretty active there. So it's just my last name, you know, at Reichental, R E I C H E N T A L. So definitely easy to find uh, Jonathan Reichental on Twitter. I'm very active on LinkedIn, as you know. Uh, so happy to have conversations and and uh, explore ideas with people uh, on LinkedIn. So I think between, honestly, between Twitter and LinkedIn, uh, you can get me, you can ask questions, uh, we can connect. So that's, and if you want to just kind of see what I'm, you know, kind of hear my musings on different topics and my, and read my articles, I link everything. I put everything on Twitter there and on LinkedIn as well. So people can easily find them. I do have a professional site on Facebook, just Dr. Jonathan Reichdahl on Facebook, so that's another. If Facebook is your thing, I'm there too. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Well, look, uh, thanks, Jonathan, for uh, for joining us on, on the show today. Um, and also, of course, a huge thank you to uh, all of you for listening in. Uh, it's, it's our listeners that make the, uh, um, you know, is the reason why we do this. And also, a massive thanks uh, to our show partners, uh, who of course are able to um, help us keep the New Zealand Tech Podcast uh, going and support our production and so on. So um, yeah, big big thank you uh, to uh, Sumo Logic there, a Silicon Valley uh, company who uh, uh, support us here in New Zealand. To Vodafone New Zealand, Spark New Zealand, HP, uh, Samsung, Umbrella Connect, uh, Gorilla. Um, and of course, focus. So, uh, yeah, huge thank you to, to those companies for, for their support of, uh, the tech and, and innovation, uh, ecosystems here in New Zealand. And of course, you can, uh, track us down, uh, online across those same, uh, social, uh, channels, uh, in terms of, uh, LinkedIn, especially Twitter and Facebook. Those are all good, uh, good places to find the New Zealand Tech Podcast. Um, so thanks everybody for uh, for listening in to uh, to this week's episode. Of course, we'll be back uh, again next week. And uh, if this is your first time, well, uh, you know, make sure you subscribe. Find a good podcast app on your uh, on your device and uh, and subscribe. And um, yeah, we will catch you again on the next episode. All right, thanks everyone. See ya. The New Zealand Tech Podcast. Brought to you by Gorilla Technology, proactive and strategic IT.